previously on Popping Collars. The other thing I remember him doing, I don't know if he still does it, he would use like all caps a lot to like mm-hmm. make big points or people were shouting. And so there was this visual on the page that um, I remember some critic calling immature or the sign of a bad writer. You know, they have to, they can't just... He can't just show; he has to tell, he has and he can't tell, just yeah. tell. But he has he to do it in all caps. And but and we so would call that postmodern off. now. Like Dave Eggers does that, <laughs> and people are like, "Wow, what a genius!" Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So well, yeah, back this podcast then. taking a turn. <laughs> We're coming for you, Dave. Eggers, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a name is that? <laughs> the great oh. Eggers popping collar feud of 2017. Oh man, it's gonna go. <laughs> Poppy Collars versus Dave Eggers. <laughs> Coming for you. Coming for you, McSweeney's. <laughs> Welcome to episode 73 of Poppin' Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Betsy, and I live in Alexandria, Virginia, where I serve as head chaplain at the Episcopal High School. With me today are two of my co-hosts. Greg, where are you? What are you up to? Betsy, I'm in lovely Palm Beach, Florida, uh, where I'm the director of Children and Youth Ministries at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea. Excellent. And we have Liz. Liz, where are you? What are you up to? Hey, Betsy. Um, I am the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. We are on a journey, my friends. Welcome. A journey is a metaphor that many priests like to talk about in pulpits. We're all on a journey going somewhere, journeying with others, sometimes alone. And then there are times when we choose to specifically walk in the steps or tire treads of another, taking paths that have been trod for hundreds of years by many, many before us. We then participate in this extension of that original journey through time, as pilgrims who walk the road of pilgrimage. This idea of pilgrimage is something that can be sacred. It can be secular. It can be the Camino de Santiago in Spain or getting yourself to Comic-Con in San Diego. Whatever the journey is, there's always the possibility to journey deeper into the heart of yourself. Our two special guests today, Justin Skizek and Patrick Gray, decided to go on pilgrimage together to Spain and to the Camino The complication for this journey was that Justin is in a wheelchair and the Camino is grueling and full of mountains and a lot of mud. Uh, They captured their journey (laughs) on film for the documentary I'll Push You, which is coming to 576 theaters on November 2nd in a giant release day. And they also released a book this summer under the same title. Justin and Patrick, welcome to Poppin' Collars. Hey, thanks for having us. It is so (laughs) great. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, my first question for you two, it actually comes from the quote that you use in the documentary from Eugenio Banos. And it's that idea of pilgrim whose voice is calling you. I love that. What hidden forces lead you on? And, and the two of you talk about that there are lots of different reasons why people walk the Camino. You ran into all different kinds of people and talked to them. You know, I, I wanted to kind of get a greater sense of what was driving this idea and why was the answer, you know, yeah, let's do it. The idea came about when I was watching a, an episode on uh, public access television. And the, the episode was on this um, on this pilgrimage across northern Spain called the Camino, uh, Camino de Santiago. And, um, you know, in America, we don't really hear about them too often. They don't really exist in the United States too much. Um, there are maybe some 
side variations of it, like maybe the PCT trail or Appalachian trail or those, but, but from, from a religious or historical reason, you know, the, the Camino is, it's kind of a big one and I'd never heard of it. And so, um, I just knew as soon as I watched the episode, um, uh, that it was something that I just needed to do. Um, I describe it the best way I can describe it is that it called me the Camino called me. Um, I just knew in my heart, my soul, my mind, I mean, everything in me that was just screaming at me, just saying, you need to do this. You need to do this. And, uh, you know, so at the time I was, I was at home by myself, well, in the living room by myself and my wife was in the other room and I called her in and, and I said, um, you know, what do you think? Should I do something like this? And she said, if you want to go do it, you know, go do it. You know, Patrick came down. I was living in San Diego, California at the time. And we both live in Idaho now. But Patrick came down to to visit me with his family. And I showed him this episode and I because I, I had recorded it. And I remember very clearly, he's sitting off to my right. And we're watching this episode unfold in front of us, um, very quiet nobody's talking and after it ended i said so do you want to go across 500 miles of northern spain with me and he said yeah i'll push you that was his response mm-hmm. so thus the, the title of the film and to, and the book as well and um and that's how it all kind of started i just knew that's there's no other way of saying it other than that well there's yeah. something about saying yes to something that's really scary yeah yeah you know it's it's an opportunity to be to be pushed. I mean, in my case, it was physically pushed and literally pushed, but also to be emotionally pushed and spiritually pushed and psychologically pushed and um, kind of everything in between. And so, you know, I always kind of look at them as opportunities to grow. Yeah. I, I think you asked a, a great question, that whole, that, that, that line, you know, who's calling you right in at, at the beginning my, I guess my call, if you will, the drive was just shared adventure with my friend. And I think a lot of really cool things in life start there. But for me specifically, and I've, I've met a lot of people who, who would, you know, have, have had similar experiences where the, the call evolves. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have an experience, you might have a situation where something specific engages you in the story or in someone else's story. And there's a, a why, if you will, the reason behind why you do something, you know, and, and for me, it was initially just that shared adventure element. But as the journey unfolded, that, that voice evolved significantly throughout different steps. And life is, is that way, you know, for me, it's, it's, there's always something new around the next corner. And that, that, that opportunity for a voice to call you to change. That's one of the cool things about, about the journey of life or a dream, a dream of, of this nature is that, what began as a shared adventure really began or turned into an opportunity for a lot of self-discovery, a lot of, of self-actualization, a lot of recognition of demons that I faced and a, a, a spiritual awakening, if, if you will, um, or maybe not, maybe awakening is not the right word, but maybe more just realizing the beauty that exists in so many people that I had not necessarily appreciated uh, just because we're so distracted in life, we're so distracted with the the various things in in our day to day that prevent us, or we allow to distract us from the opportunities of engaging with people in beautiful, I would say, divine ways every single moment of our lives. What I was hearing you say, Pat, was this idea that something was getting exposed. You know, like you were you were being exposed to something that you didn't 
quite know. I, you know, I, I like the the thing about pilgrimage is that you have these expectations before you go, and you're so right. The pilgrimage starts as soon as your brain says, "Let's do it." But then when you're out on the trail, all of a sudden you're exposed to care and support and stuff like that from people that you don't know, but it's part of the life there. And all of a sudden, like you see humanity and you see yourself in a different way. When we allow our stories to collide with other people, you know, that's when the beauty of life can happen, whether it's good stuff, hard stuff, painful stuff, or those moments where you're just celebrating, you know, like the birth of a child or a friend's wedding, whatever it may be, but you allow the emotions and the intensity of those situations to draw you together. Uh, You begin to see yourself reflected back at you through the eyes the ears, the mouths, the the hearts and souls of your of, of your people you, you you live life with, and you begin to understand more of what you're capable of as you witness what other people are capable of. But you know, for the most of us that go on a pilgrimage of some sort, whether if it's on the Camino or other ones, you're it's a chance to strip away um, all of the busyness of life, all of the things that are dragging you down or distracting you from. Um, what, you know, what I believe, I think we actually are called here to be here on earth is, is to be, um, hands and feet for one another, to love one another, uh, despite all of our faults and to, to seek to understand. And hopefully throughout that, you know, maybe share our understanding through the process. Mm-hmm. Like we were at a, we we're traveling back recently and we were in an airport. I can't remember where we were Denver, I think. And we saw a woman next to us sitting by herself eating dinner, you know, on the, on, on the pilgrimage that doesn't happen. You know, everyone eats together. Yeah. And so, you know, she's sitting next to us and I said, you know, like to join us. Like, I have no idea who this lady is. Like, I have no idea, you know, and mm-hmm. I never would have done that prior to the pilgrimage. And it was really great. We got to have a really great conversation with her. And she was actually from Idaho, Northern Idaho, and uh, had this really great kind of life that she did and, and kind of aspects of life. And, and that's what I love about some of the lessons that we've learned. That's just one little one. For, for those who are listening, the, the Camino is frequently talked about um, as being broken apart into three segments. You have a, the first stretch is physical. Your body is being you know, acclimated to this new new way of life for the next month or so. Uh, this, the, the middle third, or the, you know, the, the second portion is considered you know, uh, more, more mental. And then you have the third third. The last part is, is spiritual. You're really kind of really looking at who you are from a, from a heart standpoint. And for me, the mental and the spiritual kind of overlapped a bit in the Maseta where there was this, this stretching of, of my soul that really kind of ripped apart um, who I was and, and opened up uh, a lens that looked at who I was versus who I wanted to be. I had, I, had left a, I had left at home a job that was waiting for me, a very stressful environment that really had, had consumed me. I, I should say I had allowed it to consume me. And my family had suffered pretty remarkably. Um, I had been very neglectful, very dismissive, very distant. And I'd given my children and my wife a reason to question my love for them. And in, the, in that desert stretch, I, I saw in a, a moment of just, I don't know how to describe it, just a moment where it's almost like, even though I could see where I was walking down the trail, there's just millions of tiny TV screens behind my eyes just showing me every moment that I had failed my wife and my kids. Mm. And it hit me all at once. It was just like a, like a tidal wave of 
grief and anger at who I was and pain and disappointment and just recognition of lots of moments of failure, man, there was no hiding from it. There was no, there was no way to escape who I was. And that's one of the beauties of pilgrimage is that you get to a point where you, you can no longer hide from yourself. And I, we, we, we get into a little albergue and I bust out our iPod or, or uh, iPad and I make a Skype call to my family, hoping that they're, that they're awake. And my, my kids answer, they're excited. We say, hi, I apologize for stuff. They're not even processing why I'm apologizing, but I needed to tell them I'm sorry. Right. But then my kids leave and it's just my wife and I, but I just told her, I just said, you know, I said, honey, I, I'm so sorry for all the times I've broken your heart. And I know there have been many. And she said, if you never broke my heart, how would I learn to love you more? Hmm. What happened in that was that, okay, okay. There's, there's a capacity of love that people are capable of. There is a, there is a type of love people can, can, can engage in where they're willing to love us in spite of us. Not the good, but all, right? And I took that back as that lesson my wife taught me from who knows how many thousand miles away over a little you know, pixelated message of this is what we're called to. This is what we're capable of. We can love one another in spite of our differences, in spite of our failures. And that's the closest thing we're going to get here on earth to experiencing God's love through the hands and feet of another human being when they choose to love us in spite of who we are. I've been meditating on the name of the whole project, you know, I'll push you, you know, that that has so many different layers inside it. I mean, each of you were pushed in in mental and emotional and spiritual ways. Um Justin, I'm I'm curious for you, kind of what what was your experience in that sort of spiritual mental area? I had I had let things go a long time ago. You know, as my disease has progressed over time and those who are listening to give to give them kind of a mental picture you know, I have, I have a, a very rare progressive neuromuscular disease, and it's it's very similar to ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. And my autoimmune system attacks my nervous system, and then my nervous system shuts down. So um, it has slowly attacked my ability to, I guess, be, I guess, quote, unquote, normal, whatever that is these days. You know, I'm in a power wheelchair, and I have to be fed, I have to be bathed, I have to be helped in all aspects of life, mostly. And, um, and throughout that process, what years before I even learned about the pilgrimage, um, I, I had, a, I've had an evolution of my faith in my walk. What I mean by letting go is there's, I let God, I don't know how the best describe it. I guess, um, take, take the reins, um, trust in it, trust in the process of where God's guide, guiding me in this life kind of working through that years prior to going on this pilgrimage. Now I'm on this pilgrimage and I'm going through this. I'm witnessing my, my best friend go his through his transformation. It was more, it's, it's going to be really hard to describe it, but it was more of a reassurance of the right decision I made. Mm. And we didn't know if we were going to make it. We didn't know, you know, we we're going to get day one and then have to turn around and come home. We had no idea, absolutely zero idea, you know, but going through this, this process, it just, just, just reassured me that a, I made the right decision. Um, as it still takes an immense amount of faith and trust and patience and seeking God's heart in what I'm doing. 
and just loving people for who they are and, and loving Patrick where he's at and trying to see how I can best support him through his, his transformation and, and his, you know, his walk. I have a question for you guys and you just kind of touched on it, Justin, but um, y- you both have spoken about um, your own Caminos, right? Like how the pilgrimage influenced you each as individuals and how you brought that home to your family. But it seems like there was this third Camino, which was your friendship, you know, your love for one another was also on pilgrimage. And I, one of the things that was so moving to me about the documentary was um, it feels like in pop culture, which is what we talk about on our podcast. um, There aren't always a lot of great representations of friendship, especially male friendship. And I just wonder, like, how has your relationship with each other changed? You, you have that kind of shared experience. You have that kind of, like I said before, shared adventure. And then uh, a relationship that is really grounded in pretty brutal honesty, uh, intentionality, and pursuing, just pursuing time, energy, space, ideas together. His, his I wonder, you know, questions are mine, and likewise, mine are his my adventures are his, his adventures are mine. My spouse is his friend. His wife is my friend. These, we, just, we just look at all these different elements of who we each are as individuals, and we make those things a part of our lives as, as a collective. Hmm. But the intensity, of each, yeah, and the intensity yeah. of each of those individual dynamics are, are stronger. There's not anything new. It's just more depth, more, more depth. full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that answer mm-hmm. your question? It does. It's really lovely. And I, it occurs to me that in our churches, and I think that this is true across Christian traditions and probably across religious traditions, we focus a lot on the primacy of marriage relationships, which is huge and important and, you know, the family unit and all the rest. But the, you know, the I'm thinking of pilgrimage and like the model that Jesus gives us is really this traveling down a road two by two. You know, and what, and what we found and, um, this is interesting, and I, I mean, this might seem interesting, it might not, I don't know, um, is that we feel that everyone has the opportunity to have the relationship that Patrick and I have. And mo- but most people, I don't think, are willing to go there because it, it's scary. It takes honesty. It takes um, it takes bearing your soul. I mean, Patrick knows things about me that you know most people don't know about and really, really hard things um, that we've discussed and but you know what? I know I can trust him with that. I know that um, he'll love me through it, and I know that he'll be there for me. There's there's a rawness in a lot of our relationships that wasn't there before, mm. uh, but in, in a good way. Just being, like Justin said, being able to bear your soul. And I think that's a lot of what we've taken away from the Camino that's actually helped facilitate this, this group of friends we have now, that we yeah. live life together. And what, what it comes down to is that I'm, I'm, I'm always a little nervous to say this when I'm speaking with, with people in the, in the church because I never know how it's going to be received. But I'm going there. We're Episcopalians. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like true. it's fine. Good. Whatever it is, it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> I know where he's going. Don't worry. Yeah, there is, there is a, a very damaging stance the church has taken for years and it is position religion over relationship. Mm-hmm. And Jesus chose relationship every single time. And when we embrace that, those relationships, they just change. There's just a, a nature to them where you just want to pursue that kind of engagement and that love so much more. And you mentioned the, the, the marriage dynamic earlier. We talk about our friendship and our friendship with you know, other individuals. There's, 
so many of the marriage dynamics actually are at play in our relationship. Yeah. I don't think it's any coincidence that, that, that Jesus used the church and him as the ultimate goal for that, that marriage relationship. Yeah. He's talking about the marriage piece, but he's talking about all relationship. Mm-hmm. He's talking about every single interaction we have with another human being has that potential. If we pursue it. I want to, I want to applaud us for getting this far without using the V word vulnerable. Nervous. I don't know. Like, Italians use that word all the time. <laughs> you know what I was going to say, right? Keeping it in. We love that word. Yes, the V word's great. But I mean, I think that's, that's, this is another one of those moments. I mean, I find when I preach from a vulnerable place, something different happens, mm-hmm. uh, not a place I don't have a handle on, yeah. but a place that I'm able to share. It connects and it lands in a completely different way. When you all are living this life out of these vulnerable places, I mean, you know, that, you know, Justin, your vulnerability, you know, you were not shy about having you be filmed. I think that you, you, you put your, your own physicality and how you live your life and shared that openly with others. Um, and then, and then Pat, you did the same thing. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you all had to see my butt crack at least listen, three times. <laughs> listen, I was I was worried it was going to affect the rating of the movie. And I'm shirtless half the time. How do I get screwed? I don't know how I got screwed. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, so uh, so I I walked a part of this thing. So we 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 did the same uh, we did the same it trail. Small, it was a very small. <laughs> hey, listen, but you had a bunch right? of children with, with some teens with some teens. See now that see and that's the degree of difficulty. I <laughs> took teenagers with me. See, so you got to push Justin Pet, but I had to take teenagers <laughs> on the Camino. I, I had um, to push myself. I, I <laughs> so, uh, so we did the last one out. <laughs> We did the last 110 kilometers. So we started in Surya. But what I remember about the Camino uh, is that there were a lot of bikers that almost ran over us and would shout Buen Camino as they were about to hit us. Uh, And uh, the other thing that I remember is at some point on the journey, every single one of the people in our party said that they wanted to quit. Hmm. Did you ever doubt yourself on this journey? Like, was doubt a big part of your journey? No, um, we had a day, day 27, 27, day 27 was probably our lowest point and it's not captured on film. It's, um, right after, uh, Cruz de Fierro. Um, and it's kind of like, that's the second mountain pass we went over and, um, kind of heading up towards Osabero, which is the third mountain pass. Um, and in a nutshell, we found ourselves alone that day um for weeks on end we've had people help us in and out and pat basically found himself halfway up found well not himself us we were uh, half, with me. we were together up this kind of long hill and his body was given out i mean he was his tank was running out and if not on empty and there was a, a moment where we felt okay do we need to throw in the towel for the day it was never give up on the journey, never give up on, we're not going to, you know, we're never, never going to end this thing or, you know, we're not going to finish. It was more like, okay, should we give up for the day and rest? And uh, lo and behold, after the second attempt, um, uh, a lone pilgrim came along and uh, her name was Victoria. She's from the um, Australia and lives in the UK. 
and she works for an organization called Scope, which is uh, the equivalent of the United States Muscular Dystrophy Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, yeah, crazy. Right. Like, <laughs> wow. So she works with people with disabilities as a job and her career, and she's been doing it for a long time. And, and she comes along and gets us all the way to um, the next town. She pulled us, I think, 11 miles to get us there. Yeah. And so through, through her, through her, we're able to, to keep moving. It ultimately leads to conversations about what you said before about vulnerability, the B word, right? Mm-hmm. We truly believe that our ability to embrace those vulnerable moments and really let ourselves out there are, are moments of our greatest strength. Not because we've had the strength to, to, to shed everything. There's an element of strength that you know that has to be to be embraced in order to be to be vulnerable. But once you are, and you find those few people you can trust with those vulnerabilities. Now you got someone who can pick up that burden you can't carry or someone who augments you where you're weak. And now this collective unit is monumentally stronger than any individual can be. And that's like, that's the beauty of what church should be. Mm-hmm. Not always what it is, yeah. but that, that is what, I mean, it should be a building or a group of people or a, a society where people know that, okay, no matter what kind of crap I face or things I've done or pain I have experienced, I know these people have my back and they help me overcome the next mountain. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's beautiful because yeah. you're like, you know what? I'm not doing this alone. I am not going to do this alone. I'm going to invite everyone into my pain and walk this journey with somebody. Well, and also invite everyone into your joy. Like yes. you guys also have a ton of fun together and that's the other side, right? I mean, like that's the other side of that same coin is um, to yeah. you know, get to be partners yeah. in that joy. Yeah. Pat's, Pat's grandma, I think said it very, very eloquently <laughs> that if you can't learn to laugh at yourself, life's going to be much longer than it needs to be. That's <laughs> well, close. It's something like that, right? Yeah. Pretty close. You can't laugh at yourself. Life is going to be a lot longer than you want it to be. There you go. <laughs> Life is too short to wait to live until later. We can get so used to just get, you know, this, this, this carrot at the end of this work life that we live, you know, like, oh, when you're 65 or 70, you can finally, you know, start enjoying life and traveling and doing. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. You know, you can do all that stuff now. You just have to put your mind to it and go enjoy it. That's what that's what we have in this life is to live it. That's yeah, cool. that's cool. I, I like what I liked. I loved what Patrick said earlier. This idea that the Camino presents you something physical, something mental, something spiritual. It, uh, you know, when I think of threes. Uh, and I think of scripture, I always think of this, The you know, especially when it comes to pilgrimage. The, you think of the Holy Trinity, Greg? No, I'm thinking of Jesus calling himself the way, the truth, and the life, oh, right? Cool. And how, how the way presents itself as like this physical sort of trail for you to walk. And the truth is the mental aspect that's going to carry you forward. But the life is that spiritual place where you ultimately are going to come out, right? And where what you're ultimately going to take with you back into your world as you're shopping your documentary all over the country, and stuff like, that. <laughs> like that's your life, right? And uh, and you take those first two and you apply it to that third thing. So yeah, good for you.
there anything else that you all want to plug, talk about dates, anything? Yeah. November yeah. 2nd film. We want to get butts and seats. It's huge. Um, pointing people to the book is helpful because the book just, I mean, what was interesting is the book is definitely the sister piece to the film. There's, there's overlap, but they are not even close to the same thing. Okay. So pointing people to the book would be great. But ultimately the biggest thing is November 2nd. Yeah. I'll push you. I'll push you.com is, yeah. is the hub for it all. So cool. you'll be able to get book, um, yeah. access to get tickets and, um, you know, we're really excited to be able to share the film with uh, the world at large, you know, on November 2nd. it's It's been a very, very long road. How cool is that? We're, yeah. we're, we're getting there. So I would say the other thing, if, if you can, maybe the notes or whatever is, you know, from a social media perspective, if you want to share, just, you know, at our, you know, I mean, our website's great, but also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's just at I'll push you. Mm-hmm. So right. that's helpful. Very I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll push you. Yep. Yes. Okay. Right, so, so this is the, the end of the show. Our closing segment is we, uh, we do staff picks. So like when you used to roll in to the blockbuster to rent a movie and all the people who work there would have like the shelves oh, of yeah. the movies that they're so staff picks. So this is something that we're watching, reading, listening to that we want to recommend out to the pop and colors community and Liz, you have something this week. What do you got? Sure. Um, so my staff pick, I might not be alone in this. I think it made a big splash on Netflix last week, is the new series Mind Hunters. Mm. Has anyone watched that? I haven't watched that. I haven't watched it. That's about the serial killers, though, right? It's about serial killers. Hang on. I'm gonna I don't know the name of the director, but it's a really neat series. It's you know Netflix, so it's all um released at once. It's really beautifully shot it's directed by um david fincher who if you ever saw the movie um uh yeah Yeah, but i was thinking of um zodiac he um he's just a really has a really beautiful eye and can tell a story in a really visual way but what's interesting for me about it is it shows the um coming together of ideas in this really sort of organic way of trials and failures and like trying to, you know, create a whole new way of doing investigative work. It's just really fascinating to watch and it's dark and scary for sure. So if you're freaked out by serial killers, don't watch it. If you know a lot about serial killers, then it's fascinating because you'll say like Topeka, Kansas, I know who that one was. I love I love if you're freaked out by serial killers as if there's like somebody who's like I love serial killers. Like, <laughs> They're just the kind of people I want to hang out with. Yeah. The, really what it explores I think is um evil and is evil innate in human beings or is it learned or is it a combination of those two things somehow and is everybody redeemable or some people beyond redemption? Mindhunters. Awesome. Thanks Liz. You're welcome. Oh, cool. All right. So this has been Popping Collars. We want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. We especially want to thank Justin and Pat for joining us. And uh, we can't wait. November 2nd is just, if you go to the website, I'll push you, that it counts it down. So whenever this comes out on Thursday, you just count it down. We're only, it'll be like two weeks away at that point, which would be awesome. So be really great to get out there and support. Um, you can find Pop and Collars uh, wherever you have your podcast needs met, whether it's SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, 
this new app I downloaded because I hated the Apple app, all of those things. Um, you can find us and listen to us, uh, rate and review us so other people can find us. Uh, you can also always locate us at Episcopal Cafe where you get all of your Episcopal news needs met. We love Episcopal Cafe and we know that you will too. So check us out there as well. And that has been Poppin' Collars. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Justin. That's right. And keep those collars popped. Popped.